This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Mac and Jack Sports Show. I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, legendary boxing writer and sports guru himself, Jack Hirsch, proudly wearing his Cracker Barrel sweatshirt. As uh, I don't know if they're paying you for that or not, Jack, but you should start getting them. If they're gonna, if you're gonna wear the sweatshirts, you gotta get some sponsorship money from them, baby. Well, I bought the sweatshirt, paid for my own money. It's not like they gave it to me. I mean, you know, if I pay my own money, I could wear whatever I throw. And I kind of like the design today, so something yeah. different, something that yeah. I never wear. You know, I like to bring out new stuff, Mac. It's like a team. They run this crazy play, and they only run it one time. It's to put, you know, an idea in their opponent's head. So now right. I got you a little off balance. Yes, you do. So uh, I'll try and bring myself back on balance, Jack. In a lot of NFL news, even though the season's coming to an end, it seems NFL is always in the news year-round. Um Let's talk a little bit about the Panthers. They hire uh, Frank Wright as head coach of the Panthers. Um, the offense, I don't know if it's the offensive coordinator or defense coordinator, Jack Wilkes. Was, Frank uh, Wright, uh, Steve Wilkes. Right. Well, he was a defensive coordinator okay. yeah, before he became the interim coach of the Panthers. Yeah, so Frank Wright gets the job. A little bit of outcry, you know, because um, Wilkes is black and, and Wright is white. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Jack? Well, I'm sure the NFL, they wanted Steve Wilkes to get the job because of the issue with the lack of black head coaches. But every team has to do individually what they think is best for them. Uh, the outcry in part was, well, Steve Wilkes, he did such a great job, but he really didn't, Mac. I mean, he did okay, but that was about it. Okay doesn't necessarily make promote you from an interim coach to a head coach. When you become an interim coach, that's what it is. You're, you're just keeping the seat warm until they get a permanent head coach. But of course, if you do a great job while you're interim coach, you put yourself in position to become the full-time coach. Steve Wilkes didn't quite do it. The players granted reportedly love Steve Wilkes. They wanted him to stay on as the head coach. But if you wanted him to win, win, this way you'll keep him on there. He was six and six. I don't want to hear that he took over the Carolina Panther team. Well, they had such a weak record, this and that. The Panthers had the potential going into the season to win the uh win their division. Okay, Matt Rule didn't do a good job. He got fired. Steve Wilkes took over. One of his early moves was to make P.J. Walker his starting quarterback. It made no sense. P.J. Walker was the a practice squad player type. I mean, they had three quarterbacks who were ahead of him on the depth chart. Baker Mayfield, Sam Donald, and the uh, Matt Corral, who got drafted and got injured during the year, P.J. Walker was supposed to be no more than a practice squad quarterback. So he decided he was going to roll with P.J. Walker. P.J. Walker 
was less than good. Then he got injured. And finally, the Panthers started getting it together late in the year. But in the next to last game this season, the division was there for them to win. Yeah. They'd go up to Tampa Bay, a mediocre Tampa Bay Buccaneer team. The Buccaneers beat them. Had Carolina won the division, I would be all in on Steve Wilkes. Continue on with them. They didn't do it. They were 6-6. Six and six. Now, compare that to one year before. The Las Vegas Raiders, they had an interim coach, Rick Basakia. Rick Basakia took the Raiders to the playoffs. And like Steve Wilkes, Rick Basakia's white. He got fired at the end of the year. That had nothing to do with racism, just the way the Steve Wilkes thing has absolutely nothing to do with it. But of course, now we hear Brian Flores' attorneys come out. Like, oh, they have a, a vested interest in it, how disappointed they are. They're making it into a racial thing. I'm sure the talk shows are going to have a real field day with this. Because in part, it's Frank Reich, a hired coach from Indianapolis, getting the job. Now, Frank Reich had a very poor year this past year. Very poor year. And he got fired by Indianapolis. But before that, Frank Reich was a successful coach with Indianapolis. He took him to the playoffs. He was a more successful coordinator than Steve Wilkes, but he took the he was the offensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles when they won the Super Bowl. He right. had a better resume than Steve Wilkes, let alone him being a a player all those years as arguably the best backup quarterback in the league behind Jim Kelly with the Bills. Nick Sirianni was crying, actually, the Eagle coach when Frank Wright got fired. He made it a point at the press conference to say, this is like the best guy I've ever been around in football. This guy's my mentor. Nick Sirianni got very emotional, okay? And so I don't want to hear this. I mean, it, it was inevitable it would come up to racism thing. I would have liked in a sense for Steve Wilkes to get the job because I would like to see more black head coaches in the league, but every team has to do what's best for them. And should the Panthers have hired Steve Wilkes because they're scared what people are going to say that they're going to be perceived as making a racist move? I, I think not. They have to hire the guy they're most comfortable with going forward. I agree, Jack. I think you got to, do what's right for the team and the outside influences. Well, that's what they are. They're only outside influences that really have nothing to do with you running a team. As you said, it's just talk for some sports talk shows. Brian DeBaugh gets named NFL coach of the year by the pro football writers uh, association of America, Jack. Um, I think this is going to be one of many awards he'll get this year. Um, of course, we did a tremendous job with the giants started off hot. They fell, uh, they fell off, and he brought them back. They actually go to playoffs and beat, I think it was a 12 and three Vikings team. So um, good, good choice, I think, for the award, Jack. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think they were, if I'm not mistaken, uh, 13 and four, the Vikings, yeah. their record, if I'm not mistaken. But a good choice, very good choice. What concerns me a little about the Giants moving forward next year, Mac, is you look at their overall record, 9-6-1. and one. Okay, that was excellent this year, but they started out 6-1. and one. 
Right. Next year, can we expect the Giants to start out six and one again? Because the Giants were a very gritty team, very gritty. They didn't win on talent. They didn't win because they were a powerhouse team, like like teams like the Chiefs, the Buffalo Bills, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles this year. They were like powerhouse teams. They would win by showing a level of domination. The Giants would win by being very gritty. And gritty teams normally don't get off to a six and one start. They scratch, they claw. And the Giants didn't finish the season too well, the regular season. They were something like uh, three, six and one over the last 10 games. Now, granted, they were a better team than that, or should be. But you kind of wonder going forward. You know, what's the potential in this giant team? Are we talking about eight and nine, nine and eight? I mean, the Giants have a great fan base. Their fan base was very happy with this year. We both agree, Mac. We would have liked the Giants to show a little more fight in the playoff game. Oh, yeah. They lost to Diego. They, they, didn't, they didn't have any fight. It's like they were so happy with their regular season, so happy to win a playoff game, it's like, oh, that was it. You know, it's like they went out flat. They didn't, it wasn't like those giant teams that won the Super Bowl. Like they didn't keep the run going. Okay. You know, it would have been okay if the Giants lost by 10 points. Everyone would have been smiling. We gave the Eagles a scare. We pushed it. What a nice season. It just left a little bit of a sour taste. By all accounts, he's a good coach, Brian DeBal, but it is only one year. Let's keep that in mind. And like I mentioned yesterday on the show, remember Eric Mangini, his first year. People were making a big deal, calling him man genius. And then he kind of bottomed out. They had a losing record the following year. And then the year after that, even though they had a winning record, they lost four of their last five games and they moved on from Mangini. And that sometimes happens with coaches. But uh Brian DeBall hasn't had to face adversity yet. He hasn't had to face Mac, the New York media that has gotten on him. It's a honeymoon period, kind of like when Robert Salah had his first year, even though the Jets lost. No one got on Robert Salah. This second year, the honeymoon periods apparently ended for Salah. And going forward, you know, he better win. But we'll get to that later on in the show. Definitely. Jack, do you think that maybe the Giants, I don't want to say we're overconfident. Do you think they thought they could beat the Eagles because of what happened with the Vikings? You know, if you think about it, and uh, before we get that, let's bring in one of my uh, favorite, one of our favorite uh, analysts, Byron Williams. How you doing this morning, Byron? Hey, good morning. Good morning. Byron, we're talking right now about, you know, what happened with the Giants, you know, with the Eagles besides getting their butts kicked all over the field. Um, And I was going to ask Jack this. Do you think because they played so well against the Vikings, you know, that they, they, uh, they, uh, they kind of, I don't want to say dominated them, but they kept their wide receiver, the best wide receiver under check for most of the game. Um, They, uh, their defense played really well. Saquon Barkley played well. Do you think that affected them when they went up against the Eagles? Do you think that maybe they thought they were better than what they really were? I think so. I think um, they weren't quite really ready to advance to the next level just just because they had the game that they had against the Vikings. I think they had a good, complete game against the Vikings, and 
you know, I think, you know, in the playoffs, it's it's the it's really a match game to where you have to match talent and skill sets and and be consistent. Uh, I, I just think too they um, they put it all in against the Vikings, and then they do know the Eagles um, real well because they play them. They don't play them. They play them twice every year. And that's another deal too. So I just thought too they they thought maybe they were gonna go in and and maybe make some you know make some asserted effort to against the Eagles, but that didn't happen. The Eagles came. They started the game on top of them before they knew it. They were twenty-one to zero. So. Yeah. It's hard to come. It's hard to come back on any team when you're 21 to zero. I mean, it happened a couple of times this year in a couple of games, but in the playoff game, it's a whole different case scenario on how you got to match up and stay focused. I agree with that. Yeah, Good morning, Craig. Good morning, Craig. Great, glad that glad you could join us this morning. Yeah. So, uh, and to let you know, folks out there, in case I didn't really introduce him, Byron Williams, former uh, yeah. wide receiver of the New York Giants and many other teams, too. So um, go ahead, Jack. Uh, Byron, did it work against the Giants having to play in Philadelphia two weeks in a row? Because Philadelphia, you play for the Eagles for a little bit. It's considered about the worst place for visiting team to play. And once you get a taste of it one week, the thought of having to go there the next week is, oh, man, I just don't want to know from it. I just want to get it over with. If you have an attitude, I think as a player, I just want to get the game over with. You're half beaten. You're really half beaten if you just want to get out of there. Okay? That I, I don't know. It's just a thought. It it's just it, it do it has something in the back of players' mind that when you go to Philadelphia, you have to deal with the fans. Sometimes you have to deal with the weather. You have to just deal with the elements too. So uh, the fans are just different than any other place, I think, too. Uh, and they 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 proud of themselves. They proud of that. I mean, the players, you know, former players, you know, they have that same case scenario. Um, you know, I, you know, I just think too that it's it's a it's a place that they have a lot of pride. And you know, the, the green, the color green is so special to them. And you know, it's 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 like when, for example, when they play the Steelers, when the Steelers come and play the Eagles, the Eagles go to play the Steelers. It's just a hate. It's a hate factor, and so it's like no other. But when you when the Giants go up there, uh, Washington go there, the Cowboys go there, it's the same factor. It's it's just one of one of those factors where you're gonna leave that game bruised up, battered, and you're gonna feel like you've been in a war. And yeah. and so it's and then the fans they'll 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 spit on you, they'll throw beer on you, because once they get souped up and had a couple of drinks and things, it is like. Anything come out of their mouth. So, but it's whoa, 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 wait, wait a second. If I, the only time I ever went to games in Philadelphia was to see the Philadelphia Stars of the USFL, and that's not the same. It's not the same. If the Jets were playing at Philadelphia, I went and I wore my Jet gear on, they might throw beer on me. They might. Even an older, even an older guy like myself. Yeah, they might because I, I'm telling you, it's been a lot of cases. You go back in the history of Philadelphia games, it's been a lot of cases to where they they have done some things and from the stands because people they they let you know what how they feel up there. They love their Eagles. I'm telling you, they be flying with their Eagles. I'm telling you, um, but 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 you know you'll see some guys going into the tunnel going in and you know they they have to lift up and say 
you know, sometimes they'll respond back to some of the, some of the fans. But it's it's one of those types of atmosphere to where you know you got to be physically prepared and mentally ready, you know, to play play the Eagles for sure. You, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm not trying to be controversial here, uh, Byron, uh, but Frank Wright was hired, and you know mm-hmm. we're friends. We're not we're not trying to we're not trying to uh, uh, do anything here different than. Uh, you know, then try to have some talk, some serious talk about this. Frank Reich is hired for the Panthers. Wilkes is 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 not does not get the position. Uh, don't you think it's the teams? Uh, it's in their best interest to hire the best candidate available. In this case, between Wilkes and and Wright, that you know they, they should be able to to hire Wright without being um, you know without being talked about. Uh, badly by other talk show hosts. Yeah, yeah, I think that I think they have every right to, to hire who they want to hire, and that's what they do anyway. But you know, um, both both guys I thought would be really good for the team. I know Frank Wright has some history with the Carolina Panthers, and I know I think he ended his career, you know, being a being a quarterback, backup quarterback. But he also have family that lived there too. So um, I think you got to have a guy that's going to be in engaged in the community activity as well as on and off the field and and then you got to also uh, get some i think you got to get some support from your team players some of your key players that's on that team and they probably did all of that i mean to go in and get a second interview and they, they kind of know is exactly what direction they want to go i think steve did an outstanding job i mean he turned the ship around you know they traded christian McCaffrey, and they did some things to set themselves up for for the future, I think, but uh, I think either way, either charge would have been a great charge for the for the Carolina Panthers. Byron six and six is not an outstanding job. Uh, no, let me let me just say this: it could have gone either way. Steve Wilkes, Frank Reich. I disagree with you with community stuff. Frank Reich from the area doing stuff. In the community win win football games. The coach doesn't have to do anything in the community. It's nice if he can make a visit and do this or that. All that stuff is nice, but that's not what they're exactly looking for. The point is this. The players reportedly wanted Steve Wilkes to have the job. They were all in. They could have done something about it. Win. Make the darn playoffs, and they would have had their coach. They didn't do it. The next to last game of the season, I'm watching them play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tampa Bay, a weak Tampa Bay Buccaneer team. The division is on the line. They get beat. Steve Wilkes early on, he's starting P.J. Walker. That's your fourth quarterback on the depth chart, fourth quarterback. And he's rolling with a guy who has no resume, and he, and he didn't get it done for, you know, Steve Wilkes. Listen, Steve Wilkes did you could say okay okay doesn't get you the job if you're the interim coach to the full-time coach the year before rick basakia with the raiders he did a better job than steve Wilkes. he took him to the playoffs the players on the raiders loved rick basakia yet they let him go and they hired josh mcdaniel so i don't want to hear this outpouring for steve Wilkes. if he if he gotten the panthers to the playoffs and they won a game. Let's say he did what Brian DeBall did. I would have led the charge. I would have said, what's the matter with the Panthers? You stick with Steve Wilkes here. I would have had his back. He was so-so. You could say he was 
a, a little better than average. You could say that, but I only have outstanding job. Come on. Well, well, I agree. I agree with you, but it's all it's all about wins, and 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 you're exactly right. If you would have if you would have got them to the playoff or wild card, then it would have been a well. They had to win the division, won the wild card situation. But no, definitely, yeah. definitely, you're absolutely right. I agree with that. But I, I just think I think too that uh, uh, Rich have a little bit more head coach experience, and I think you're absolutely right. I think. Uh, the job would have been him if he would have got if they could have beat the Tampa Bay Bucks that that one game. I, that's that that's the difference in the decision yeah. that they made. But he did yeah. get, he do he did do a good job for his coaching. But but you know what left a bad taste in some people's mouth, and I can understand this. The perception is the Panthers hired a recycled coach in Frank Reich. Now if they hired Sean Payton, no one would have complained at all because you know Payton. They, the thought would have been, oh, if you could get Sean Payton, I don't want to hear about anything. Frank Reich did have a bad year coaching this year. Yeah. He got let go. But before that, he took the Colts to the playoffs as an offensive coordinator. You know, he, he took the Eagles to a Super Bowl win. So he had a better body of work. But with that said, I would have felt comfortable had the Panthers stuck with Steve Wilkes. I'm not saying they shouldn't have. It was close enough where it could have gone either way. And they did, and they hired the guy they were a little more comfortable with. Steve Wilkes just needed to do a little more to make the job his, a little more, and he didn't do it. And I, and I think Frank Wright is, uh, doesn't learn the lesson being being with the coach because he was, he was almost where he wanted to be. Now he knows what he got to do. I think, you know, hiring a couple of, um, bringing in a couple of quarterbacks, and then and all of a sudden the coach went from being a great team, a good team, to a team that just average. And I think now he he done learned his lesson. I think he'll probably do a good job over there with the Carolina Panthers. I think so too. Um, two two things for you, Byron. Uh, the ball he uh, he gets the uh, coach of the year for the uh, NFL uh, Writers Association of America. Mm-hmm. In the fallout from Dallas, and 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 let's talk about Dallas first because that's very interesting to me. They hold on to the head coach, right? They hold on to Mike McCarthy, and they fire a bunch of coaches. So yeah, six, six coaches, six coaches. Yeah, so, so, so if Mike McCarthy does not do well next year, I mean, is that it for him? Oh yeah, no doubt. He he was on. He was almost gone this year. I think. Uh, you got to do well. I mean, Jerry Jones is very impatient, uh, but he did let him know that he's he's a hundred percent sure that he can he can be here as long as Tom Landry. It came out of his mouth last yet last night that he could be here as long as Tom Landry. I don't think so, but um, it's what have you done for me lately? But you know they did sign Dan Quayle back, uh, the defense coordinator. Uh, I think uh, they don't know what the offense coordinator going to do yet, but. I think too, they definitely need a change in coaches. They need a change in some type of morale. And so they looked at the, I guess they look at the daily situation on coaches case scenario, what the coaches are doing and how consistently they're doing their job. And I think it was good to shake up the tree. You got to shake the tree up a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I'm not sure about Jerry Jones being impatient. He stayed with Jason Garrett nine years. The only reason he moved on from Jason Garrett because the team fell apart and they lost a few games in a row and Garrett's last year missed the playoffs and the public pressure became so great. 
he had to move on from Jason Garrett. So I think I think Jerry Jones is a lot more patient than we give him credit for. I think the public of the Cowboy fan base is impatient, and they would force Jerry Jones's hand. Jerry Jones himself has shown that he has been patient with coaches, you know, to a point. And listen, Mike McCarthy, I've never been his biggest fan, but the bottom line, he's been 12 and 5 two years in a row. That's hard to do. And he and the games he's lost, he's lost two close games to a very good San Francisco 49er team. Is that reason to get you fired? The only reason to move on from Mike McCarthy. If you feel you can get a coach that's an impact coach that could push you over the top, and there's so few of them around, impact coaches. So they're going to get. So who are they going to hire? Someone like Mike McCarthy, and it's going to be the same situation. I, I you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I, I I agree totally with you, and I think it's hard to find a good coach, a coach that can come in and with all it. A pressure that you have being a cowboy coach, just being, you know, it's just a lot of pressure and a lot of expectations. And you're absolutely right. And I think, you you know, until you find that, they kept saying Sean Payton, but, you know, I don't think Sean Payton come here and do a better job than Mike McCarthy's doing right now. But even if he would, uh, Jerry Johnson wouldn't want to hire him because Sean Payton would demand complete control. Jerry Jones what, doesn't mind a coach who's going to coach, but Jerry Jones. He's the GM, too. We think of him as the owner, and he hasn't been a bad GM. And let's be honest about it. Yeah. You, he hasn't been a bad GM. I won't say he's been a good GM, but he hasn't been a bad GM. And he wants to have some semblance of say with how the team is run, you know, with the personnel. He'll give in to the coach. He'll give in to his scouting department. But he doesn't want to just say, okay, you have complete control, and I, I'm staying on the sideline completely. Yeah, yeah, and, and Stephen John's been involved a little bit more too. Yeah, I think uh, you know with this, and, and he's kind of been away with the with with, with the draft charts and stuff. But but yeah, Jerry have done a real good job for sure. Continue with the playoff uh, fallout, Byron. Uh, defensive coordinator uh, for uh, Buffalo. Let me get to him real quick, Jim. Salgado gets fired. I think this is attributed, uh, you know, to Cincinnati just pushing them all over the field. They had no answer for the Bengals at all. Um, you know, they're, they're, they were their defensive line was being removed around by subs. Um, you know, the Bengals jump out fourteen nothing, and and then just run the ball, the clock out. So, um, what do you expect Buffalo to do, Byron? Do you expect them to get maybe a a, a big time? A coordinator, say like somebody from the Jets or the 49ers again, and bring them over there. Yeah, they can have to do something because they're so close. I mean, they they right there, and then all of a sudden you lose a game like you did against against Cincinnati. If definitely their defense was kind of you know one quite playing good football, and you have to. I said earlier, you have to shake this tree. You got to do some things that gonna cause you to get to that Super Bowl. It's, and and they was rated number one. Majority of the year for us, it, uh, some of their, you know, the, the, the with the scores, the defensive play, and all that, they've been rated real high all year. The expectation really fell off at the end, but you know, I think too, I don't know what they think, but I tell you what, the Bengals didn't come in and lay down. They, they, they weren't looking at the weather. They, 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 they played good physical football from from 
from the start of the whistle to the end of the whistle. So you got to have those coaches like there to see to understand that this is now one one play away. Uh, you got to have your defense locked in, you and you got to have your special team locked in. So that's why these teams have to make those changes. And I I agree with what they did because it's a wake up call. You have to have your coaches uh, understanding that it is hard to get to that Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. So let's take a, a review of, of, of last last uh, games in the playoffs here, starting with San Francisco. Um, you know, I, I guess you could say San Francisco is maybe, to me anyway, the most underrated team in in, in, in these games right now. You, there, there's not a lot of big names there, right? There's, there's no Dak Prescott. There's no uh, – there's no, uh, you know uh, – um, um, Joe Burrow, there's no Mahomes. It's just a team, a very good team, very mm-hmm. tough team that plays great defense and runs the ball really well. They got a few stars over there, Byron. But, you know, I mean, how many people could tell you who Debo Samuels really is? Is he a running back? Is he wide receiver? They know Christian McCaffrey, and they sure have a, a lot to learn Trent to me. Trent Williams. Right. They have some, Jeff, but it's, it's it's mainly regional. I mean, it's not really – they're not doing commercials. Let's put it that way. They're not out there really doing commercials. Maybe McCaffrey. Well, if they win not, the Super Bowl, they'll do some commercials. They sure, well, they sure will. Um, and, of course, Purdy being, you know, the last person drafted in the NFL is what – and, and, and he's going in to play uh, Jalen Hurts in the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, what do you think, Byron? I mean – the San Francisco, I want your prediction. San Francisco beat the Eagles. Well, I, I, I tell you, you, you got to give credit to the coach, too. Um, the coach have done a great job. His pedigree and, and things that he have done uh, seem like they tank, they game ready. Uh, game ready is uh, make a whole different case scenario. I mean, they got consistently, when Joey Bosa came back and was healthy, seemed like they went up a whole other knot. And so – um, their players, you know, their players are consistently not don't make mistakes. You don't see drop balls. You see a lot of consistency. George Kittle is just having his way, and he just have fun. He's such a uh, dynamic tight end. But they offense, just think about this. They are consistent in what they do. They consistent on on, on special team. They got a, a good return specialist back there. And then their defense, a Fred Warner and a team are playing good defense. And so you got to give them credit. The only thing that, you know, I was talking about the other day with Jim Jeffco is that, you know, will they be able to fly over to Philly and adopt in that situation? Because he was, he made two points. He said when they came over and flew to Chicago and when they flew over to Atlanta, they didn't play a good game because of the flight and the time difference. But now they don't have that experience, so now let's see if they're going to be ready. But you got to give credit to Brock Purdy, uh, great game manager. He's doing exactly what the coaches asked him to do and not even making mistakes. So consistency in their play is, is, is my point. And, and then yeah. the focus that they have once the game starts. You know, you did. You know, you mentioned special teams. Uh, Robbie Gold, that kick always falls under the radar. He never misses a kick. You know, he's remarkable. Mm-hmm. But you know, I see a big dif- difference in this game between Brock Purdy and Jalen Hurts. 
The 49ers cannot ask Brock Purdy to go out and win them the game. I don't think he can do it. He can just manage the game. If he has to go out there and make big plays, like I come back yesterday, the Niners are in big, big trouble if you need Brock Purdy to make you plays. That, this isn't to say he won't be scrambling at some point and make a big play, but you can't count on him for the big plays. Jalen Hurts, if it gets to the situation where you need him to win you the game, he's a lot more capable of winning you the game than Brock Purdy is. Jalen Hurts can make things happen a lot more than Brock Purdy in a game like this. Yeah, and, and I think, too, Jalen Hurts done learned a lot. I mean, last year, you know, there was a lot of pressure on him. Now he's playing real confidentially, and he, 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 seemed, he, he seemed like he really understands when to run, when to, when to try to get the ball into his players, to his key players. And um, and then the running back situation seemed like it improved with the, with, you know, with the Eagles as well. So, I mean, it's going to be a spectacular game. I mean, uh, just to see that uh, the 49ers, they, they play tough football, and the Eagles play good at home as well. So I, I, just, I just think this is going to be a perfect divisional championship game. Well, yeah, I didn't get your pick, Byron. Who are you picking? I'm going with the NFC East teams. I, I, I just, I just think this year is the NFC East uh, excitement. They brought a lot of wins with all four teams, and so I said, whoever gets to the division championship, I'm going to go with the NFC East. So I'm going with the, I'm going with the Eagles. Okay. You realize, you know, you talk about the NFL parity. Three of the four teams that were in the final four last year back, uh, the Eagles are taking the place of the Rams this year, right. basically. And I think the Niners have been there three of the last four years in the, you know, the conference championship game. The Chiefs have been there five years in a row. I mean, it's not as much turnover as we would like imagine. Yeah. Exactly. We we I just thought Buffalo would be one of the teams that probably gonna shake up that that you know that mixture and um and you know they, they couldn't uh but 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 consistently played throughout the year the 49ers, the Eagles, you know, Kansas City and, and Bengals and, and the and the Bills. Uh they've been the most consistent team throughout. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, I discussed it with Mac yesterday, the Buffalo Bills, the team I picked to win the Super Bowl this year. It, I don't think they'll ever have as good an opportunity as they had this year. I mean, they stood out this year. Now they're just going to be one of a fair amount of teams next year who are going to have a shot at winning it. Uh, I'm not saying their window is closed, but can you sense it's now starting to close? Absolutely, and and that's the and that's the key factor. You know, you 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 have to have add new players. You know, you're gonna have different coaching staff. You know, the chemistry is gonna be a little different. You know, it's it's gonna be how good they can bring in certain players like a running back or another key receiver. Um, you know, defensive backs and linebackers, all that mixture, right? So you're absolutely right. It's hard to get back. And uh, I think this year Buffalo had the team to really get to the Super Bowl. So let me mention, can I mention, Mac, uh, about Stephon Diggs? Stephon Diggs tries to leave at the end of the game. He's talked into coming back to the locker room. He's there for a few minutes. Selfishness. You know what bothers me? 
We always hear the standard line, oh, I want to win so bad. I hate losing. And some people buy into that. They say, oh, he's a competitor. He's not a competitor. He's a diva. That's what he is. He's not a darn competitor. He's not sticking with his teammates after the game. He's going off on the side. I don't want to hear you lose. I don't want you to just be there when you win. I can understand once in a while you're so upset. You need time by yourself off on the side. Let him go to a corner of the locker room. Let him lock himself in the bathroom for 10, 15 minutes and then come out. But he was going to leave the stadium altogether. This isn't a competitor here. A yeah, competitor you, he really do that. He really showed his he really showed his immaturity or either his selfishness because it's a team game. You know, you just just go to the quarterback to the side and say, you know, I was open that time. Just look for me next time. You know, just certain things like that. And those things really and, and so many cameras are you know, I talked about this the other night. So many cameras are on the field around these players now. Yeah. You you got to be sure that you don't uh show stupidity. In a team game, to where you know you you might cut your cut out on the commercial or a deal because people are watching you. Your character is so important, and the things that you bring to the table and be a complete player, not just not not you know just just create. You know, I used to run coverages off to to get somebody else open. You know, something be a team player, and that's what the game is all about. It ain't all about you; it's about us. And, and that's who wins Super Bowl, us, not one guy. You know so what Byron, I would like to see? So, Byron, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a yeah. minute. Byron, so, you know, I mean, you know, Jax is infatuated with Diggs, and, you know, there's so many diva receivers out there today. So, oh, yes. Wow. I, mean, I, I mean, they're almost a dime a dozen. But I want to talk about Dak for a minute here. So they, they get all these coaches, and they, they get rid of all these coaches. And, um, you know, he has a bad game. Uh, he throws two interceptions. Uh, he's having problems reading the defense. Um, you know, s- something that we, we never thought he'd do. He took a step back, that's for sure, this year. So, I mean, what do you do? Dak is Dak is signed to a lot. A lot of them has a lot of money in his contract. Um, do you do you get maybe a rookie quarterback to come in? Uh, you know, just to play behind him or or to uh, uh, maybe be a. Uh, um, I'm trying to think of the word a predecessor uh, to him. Um, or uh, do you get another veteran quarterback? Cooper Cush, I, I guess, would would serve that purpose, so you wouldn't have to do that. What do you think about a young rookie quarterback uh, backing up uh, Dak right now? I think you have to do that. You have to always do that, especially when the quarterback gets around 30 years old. I, I you know, I, I think they did that the same. They did that. They brought Dak in. When Tony Romo was doing the same thing, I mean, just think about that. Tony Romo made a couple of bad plays uh, going into the playoffs and, and things like that, and they brought Dak in. They brought him in to compete, and I think that's what football is all about, first of all. You have to bring players in each and every year. When you bring in a player and you draft them in the first three to four rounds, well, you got, you got high expectations for that player, and that player is there for one reason. That player is there to put pressure on the starter. And, and that's what that's how teams get better. That's how you keep consistency going. And that's how you roll into the playoffs. And that's what that's what the expectations are. I mean, every player that wake up in the morning and look themselves in the mirror and know that they always have somebody to replace you in a heartbeat. And you got to keep that going. And 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 I think that's what that needs. 
Not only that, his girlfriend, his girlfriend left him. So I think, uh, I think when all that happened, you know, Dak got to look himself in the mirror this year and say, "Hey, I got to do something different. I got to get, I got to, you know, it's a lot of things that goes into being consistently on top of you, staying on top of your game in the NFL." Byron, I'll disagree with you. They did not draft Dak Prescott to compete with Tony Romo. Dak Prescott was taken in the fourth round. He was a value pick. Sometimes you see a play at a position. You don't really need help at that position, but the value is so great that the play is actually there. So you take him. And what happened, Tony Romo got hurt, and the intention was to bring Tony Romo back. The issue wasn't how Tony Romo was playing, but Dak Prescott was so great as a rookie. He was absolutely outstanding week after week that the cow and the Cowboys were winning. They had no choice but to, you know, move on from Tony Romo because of the way Dak Prescott performed. The problem with Dak Prescott now and the Cowboys, he's getting paid too much money. No one else is going to take the contract. And he still might be a pretty good quarterback, even though he played miserably against the Niners. The week before, people were raving about his performance against the Buccaneers, how good he looked. But I also know before the game against the 49ers, I even remember the broadcast team saying this is going to like a legacy game for Dak Prescott because they realized now you're playing a top defense. Now let's see what you could do. This isn't the Buccaneers. And there's no way of getting around. And this is from a Dak Prescott booster, someone who's been high on him. He was absolutely miserable in the game. I mean, awful. Yeah, yeah. Anytime you try to throw into double coverage and you're looking at one, you know, CeeDee Lamb, you're looking at where you're going to throw the ball. Before the, before the game uh, with with the Tampa Bay Buck, he had threw, what, nine interceptions in, in the last nine games they played. So, I mean, he, he, he still needs something to – Get him over the hump, and it's, he's still uh, he's still trying to force balls in there, and then he don't look off the coverages and stuff too. Little things like that, he need to you know take some serious look at. I mean, he need to you know do a lot of film study this offseason. Need to go you know there's certain things he need to do uh, this offseason to help him uh, to be a greater a great quarterback. He's been around a while. What can he do that's differently? I don't get it. He's uh, by all accounts, he's very dedicated. It's not like well, know, I don't know how much dedicated he is in the film room, or, or, or he's trying to you know 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 how to get balls to his different personnel. You know, he was forcing the ball a lot this year, and I think, uh, but a lot of time, you know, I got to I got to say this: the receivers. I was missing balls and tip balls, and a lot of those interceptions was tip balls too. I know probably four or five of them was tip balls from the receiver. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah but that happens. That happens to a lot of the quarterbacks. So I'm not going to make no excuses uh, for Dak Prescott. A reminder, folks: um, we're live on Roku and YouTube. Check us out in the big screen. We're over there. Uh, Jack and Byron, both their shows are on. Uh, Roku and YouTube also, you know, Jack with Glove Fist and Byron with J&B Talking Shop. So keep an eye out for them. Great, great shows. Uh, Byron, let's get to let's get to the next game. Let's go to uh, Cincinnati, you know, playing up against Buffalo. As we said, uh, starting out, we've talked about this before. Joe Burrow, offensive line, as we said, uh, kind of bullied them around. Josh Allen only 
the only score they got was him running the ball. They were moving up and down the field, but they couldn't put the ball in the end zone. Um, you know, I guess that's why they 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 fired the offensive coordinator. Um, what would you be looking for if you're if you're the head coach? What kind of offensive coordinator are you looking for? Are you looking for somebody that brings in more ball control, or are you looking for one of the newer uh, um, offense coordinators that you know are passing the ball more? I would look for probably a combination of both because you I think you got to use your running back a little bit more uh, in, in that office as well. And you got to give Josh Allen a little bit more uh, you know, a little bit a little bit more talent around him to make sure that he can, you know, dump the ball off to the tight end a little bit more. And I think something maybe just tweak the offensive um patterns. Um, you know, have one guy running down and one guy coming across. And be, be able to utilize the third tight end and, and things like that. You know, have different sets of personnel to come in to to set up different case scenarios. But you know, with Josh Allen, his running ability and, and his style of play, you know, you can do a lot with that offense for sure. Now that's amazing. We're talking so much about the Buffalo Bills and not so much about the other teams that got bumped. Which answers the question, which team has been the biggest disappointment that didn't advance? And that's our answer, Farnway Buffalo. You yeah. don't hear us talking about the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, they probably overachieved to an extent winning, you know, all the close games. We talk about Josh Allen. We don't talk about Kirk Cousins. He did it again. You could say, well, he played okay in the game against the Giants. He's always playing okay He's always playing, you could say, well, maybe you could use the word, but you're never going to say Kirk Cousins played very good in these losses. It's always he gives you just enough where you're not going to say get rid of him. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I think Kirk Cousins, you know where he's going to be. He's going to be right there in that pocket. And that's the difference between Kirk Cousins and a lot of people. But, he, you know, they doubled their best receiver, uh, Justin Jefferson, but you know he he got some other good receivers, so that that right there tells you that Kurt Curzon got to get the ball into the other player's hand just to open up the opportunity uh, for the offense. Well, it's amazing the way one play is remembered and defines a player sometimes. And that pass by Kirk Cousins short of the first yard marker on fourth down. I mean, people are going to remember that. Some plays are overrated. Like last year when the Cowboys couldn't get a playoff, you know, people criticize them. But even if they could get a playoff, what were they, about 24 yards away? The chances of them getting a TD and winning were minimal, you know? Exactly. But you never know. Yeah. But that pass by Kirk Cousins, is there any excuse for that, Byron, where not to throw to the first yard mark at all? It's no excuse, but it's just that you got to know and be aware of your situation. So it's no excuse, no. Yeah, I, I think you would blame the wide receiver for that more than Kirk Cousins, right? The wide receivers right. don't know where that. You got to get to your depth. You got to get to that depth. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. A millisecond yeah. difference, you know. Right. I mean, Kirk Cousins trying to make a play, get into the guy. Hopefully, he makes a move, gets that first down. Giants were all over him, but I definitely would uh, uh, blame the wide receiver in that case for not. Uh, not getting to that first down marker. It was uh, like, a tight end, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we're regardless the receiver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, so let's talk about the ball. I put it off long enough, Byron. Uh, you know, he's the uh, he's the uh, the. Uh, let me get this right. 
the Football Writers of America NFL Coach of the Year. I imagine he's going to get uh, other awards. And Jack brought up a good point, right? I mean, they jump out to six and one. The Giants, nobody believes it. How are they doing this? They ain't got nobody. Nobody but you. Nobody but you. <laughs> right, right. Then they go three, six, and one. And, you know, it, it, it's like they reverted back to what they were the year before, right? They couldn't move the ball. They were scoring. They couldn't score points. And then they kicked it in kind of at the end of the year. They beat up an okay Washington Redskins team, you know, nothing to brag about. And then they beat the Minnesota Vikings, which we think are okay team too. So it's not a lot to brag about. Yeah, yeah. It's But it's not a lot to brag about, Byron. We had a good year overall. Um, where do you see improvements in the Giants? Where do they got to make improvements to become that team that competes with Dallas and the Eagles next year? Well, first of all, I, I think they did a great job with the defensive line management and the offensive line stepped up. A lot of improvement in that offensive line. I think, um, of course, the number one thing that they got to get some receivers that are going to be make some plays. They're going to create openness and open up the field, create opportunities. So they definitely got to get some wide receivers in there, and then they got mm -hmm. to, to make sure – they can sign, you know, Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, I think, too. But definitely, um, you can tell when a leader, a leader, a good coach, bring in that type of leadership and vision, and believe in the players and have intimate relationship with the players, and players trust him, trust him, and and they, he trusts some of the players that he have on his team. Now you got a whole different case scenario. It just goes to show you how quickly you can turn this ship around when you get the right kind of coach, and then the players respond to that coach. Yeah. I the Giants reportedly seem to be reportedly seem to be lukewarm on signing Saquon Barkley. And I don't get it because Barkley indicated he's not looking to, you know, get top of the market dollar necessarily for running back. Barkley wants to stay with the Giants enough where you get the feeling he's willing to work something out, but it would still be expensive to the Giants. And I get the feeling, you know, they, they're going to move on from him unless they sign Daniel Jones and then maybe they franchise Barkley for one year. But I'm not even certain that they're going to do that. Something I don't understand why they're lukewarm on Barkley. I don't understand that either. I think you, you want to sign him and, and make him uh, still a big part of what you're trying to create there in New York. And um, I think they just need to be creative on how they – how they can negotiate both of those guys' contract. I mean, there's other ways to do it. And I think uh, hopefully they get it, get that done. Was it a big mistake not giving Jones that that year option uh, when you think about it now at the end of the year? I mean, was that a big mistake by the Giants? Should they have just signed him to the option, see how it worked out, and then proceeded with trying to sign him to a contract? Because I think if they had to do it all over again, they would they would they would have picked up that fifth year option. Yeah, they should have picked up that fifth-year option. That way it would have been a better case scenario to where they could probably have a way to get both of them signed the way they need to. And and like I said, uh, they they just they rolled the dice and, and tried to see what this, what that, what kind of season Jones was going to have, and he had a spectacular season. Revisionist thinking, woulda, coulda, shoulda. That's what both you guys, revisionist thinking. He was with them for three years. That should be revealing that they weren't ready to pick up the fifth-year option. His body of work for three years wasn't good enough, to be quite frank. Okay, you could say he had different coaches, this and that. 
they put him in a position, prove yourself. And he proved himself. He had a pretty good year. Of course, knowing what they know now, they would have picked up the option, of course. Okay? But let me ask you guys this. If Daniel Jones becomes a free agent, do you think there's another team out there that would pay him the kind of money that the Giants weren't willing to? I don't think anyone pays him like he's an elite quarterback. I just don't see it. He's going to get good money on the market. I could see him approaching the $30 million a year mark. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I would say between 30 and $35 million, he'd probably get that. I'm not that sure about that. Could he get, could he get something like, could he get 32 and a half for three years somewhere, $100 million for three years from a team? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah, I think so. I think because of the, the, the some of the teams that really need quarterbacks out there right now, I think the Jets would pay that for him. I think the Patriots will pay that for him. I think uh, I think maybe the Saints would. I mean, I think there's options out there, Jack, for him. I don't think he's looked at as being that good. Then you have a guy in a similar case, Geno Smith. Right. No one's going to pay that for Geno Smith. I mean, it's, it's body of work. And, and Seattle, I'm going to tell you now, don't be surprised they move on from Geno Smith. It's no more than 50-50 that Geno Smith is their quarterback next year because Geno Smith is going to want the big contract. And Pete Carroll knows Geno Smith is a system quarterback. He thrived in the system. They'll slot someone else in the system. If Geno Smith will work along with the Seahawks, get a contract they're comfortable with, he could continue is their quarterback. It's like a company. They say they put their off on the table. If you want to continue to work here, you take it. You could continue to work here. If you don't want to, you could move on. I mean, if this isn't the case. Ain't too many places you can go, though. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh, Geno Smith? Yeah. Ain't too many places. He's been almost everywhere already, so it should be nice. work teams understand what he is about. He's going okay. back to the Jets. He's going back to the Jets, Byron. Gino's going back to the Jets. No, no, no that wouldn't be. You know, <laughs> you, you got you got different situations with teams. For some teams, they're happy to plug a guy in for a year. Gino Smith is excellent. If you could plug, you could plug him in places for one year, a number of places. He's not a long-term solution for any team. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know he. Ahead, he had a, he had a great year though. That's 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 yeah, he did. Yeah. in the system. In the system, in the system. Carroll had listen, when Baker Mayfield went to the Rams, for whatever reason, all of a sudden he's looking good. He's looking good with the Rams. He didn't look good with Carolina, but you gotta remember you're not gonna make Baker Mayfield a franchise quarterback. He lost the starting job at two other places. He lost it at Carolina. He could have been a Panther quarterback right now if he performed, but he lost the job. And and had he been really top of the line at Cleveland, more than just okay, they never would have signed to Sean Watson. Yeah. And Baker Mayfield was making too many commercials up at Cleveland. But uh... <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. So so as we go through these championship games, of course they say defense wins championships, guys. Who's the best defense out there right now? Is it the Eagles? Is it the is it Ooh, the 49ers? Is it the, the, the Eagles and the 49 They wanted to. So they both defense is playing well. Uh, I, I just think it's gonna come down to secondary play 
as well as how many sacks they can get, and 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 then the linebacker need to fill those gaps. So, I you know I just think it's gonna be a good game. I think um, this is what you sit down and watch championship football is all about coming up. So I'm excited to see what's gonna happen. Mac asked a great question, and let me put it in reverse. That great question: four teams are left. You can argue the 49ers, Eagles, and Bengals. Their defenses are pretty close as far as the quality overall defense. Most people give a little edge to the Niners. I'm aware of that, but it's close between those three. Kansas City Chiefs, you're not going to make an argument that their defense is nearly as good as the other three. You could say the Chiefs have a competent defense if you want. That's okay. You could say their defense is better than average if you want. But their defense doesn't measure up to the other three. That's kind of revealing in a way if you're thinking who's going to be the eventual Super Bowl champion. But it, uh, Chris Jones had a good year, 15 and a half sacks uh, from the defensive line. And it um, seemed like this secondary been playing pretty good, playing better. Okay. Uh, I'm talking about the Chiefs. And I, I just think, that, you know, home field advantage uh going to help them out tremendously. And I think um, if Patrick Mahomes can come in and put his magic on and Travis Kelsey, ain't nobody going to cover him. So I, I'm going to take – I'm not arguing with you. Huh? The Chiefs could win. My point is this. Are you going to tell me the Chiefs' defense is better than any of the other three teams I just mentioned? No, but um, I, they do have a they do have a, a, a defensive lineman that with 15 and a half sacks. They have, okay, they that's, have, that's outstanding for an in, in, inside yeah. defensive lineman to have 15 and a half sacks. Chris, I think, I think the, I think the point Jack I think the point Jack is making is the overall team defensive team itself, not just a defensive line, right? I mean, San Francisco's got a very fast defense. They got fast linebackers, fast defensive line. The Eagles are big, right? They're big and strong, and and they got fifty sacks because they can overpower you, right? But I don't think the Chiefs' defense overall, Byron measures up to those three teams with the Bengals ends and, and, and their speed. I don't think they match up to them. Not saying they're not going to win. I'm just saying as a compared to those three defenses, you would have to say the 49ers defense is just a little bit less than those three. That's all. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. And I agree with, uh, you know, Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, they, they got a high power offense too. And, uh, you know, Joe Burrow can find those receivers. They got some receivers out of the board. Hey, All right, here's, so here's, here's, a, here's a question for you two now. Let's turn it around. Who has the best offense in the championships this game? They don't decide it, but they got to put points up there. Is it the Chiefs, the Bengals, or the Eagles? Man, that's a good question. I I, I really like – I like the Eagles' deep offense, and I like the 49ers' offense. And, you know, Kelsey and, and Mahomes, if Mahomes can get 90% – Healthy, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a good show. And then Joe Burrow, man, you you just cannot say nothing bad about him. He is spectacular. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, all four all four offenses. Is, <laughs> uh, I think Seattle. I think Seattle's a little below, but compared to those three, but they have a good offense. What do you think, Jack? Yeah, uh, who has the best offense? You know, if the Chiefs are running on all cylinders, I mean, they have, you know, the Niners have big play 
players on offense, but they don't have a big play quarterback. Right. You know, you compare like even the Eagles, Brown, Smith, got it, Hurts, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer is. I'd have to analyze it. I what's good about this, answer. what's good about the matchup, the games can go either way. Right. It might, you know, it, 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 because they all have a potential to do some things that uh, that's exciting. So we, talk, so we talk about the defense. We talk about the offense. We even talk about special teams. So does it always boil down to who makes the less mistakes? And if you go that way, the team that makes the less mistakes is the San Francisco 49ers. Absolutely. And then you might have to look at the coaches as well. Right. I don't know, guys. I mean, I don't know anymore. Go ahead. Let me ask you this that I found a little revealing. It's probably so minor, but my question would be why on this with Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes admitted he's called up Tom Brady to discuss how it is playing in the AFC championship game. Patrick, the Chiefs have been there five years in a row. Why do you need to call Brady? You're to AFC championship games. What Brady is the Super Bowls. You don't need right. Tom Brady's wisdom. I don't think Tom Brady's been there five years in a row to an a- AFC championship game for all the Super Bowls. But so sometimes you know, just, just sometimes just having a conversation with Tom Brady can really matter. But yeah, Patrick Mahomes is already a Hall of Famer. Patrick Mahomes retired at the end of this year. I bet even though he hasn't had a lot of years, and he probably sneaks in the Hall of Fame, even right now, okay? Patrick awesome. Mahomes, you can argue right now, arguably. He needs a little more of a body of work, but yeah. you could argue he's one of the all-time great quarterbacks. I wouldn't put him there quite yet. He needs a little more of a body of work, granted. Yeah. Folks, folks, we're going to yeah. take, we're, we're take a quick promotion break, let it get up and stretch a little bit. Byron, you can stick around. you got to get going, my friend. I got the I got an uh, appointment this morning. I'm going to talk to the to school this morning. Okay, so. sounds, sounds good, my friend. Glad you could make it on. As always, we'll have Keith Angle on up after the promotion, folks. So stick with us, and we'll Take be care, right Byron. back. Byron, again, thanks for coming. Yeah, have a great capture weekend. I'll see you guys. Good yes, you, Byron. Keith just came in below. Keith will be right back after these messages. Stick around, please. He was a giant, and he was a cowboy. Now these two former rivals have joined forces to bring you the most insightful, perceptive, and controversial sports talk podcast in America. Former Dallas Cowboys defensive end Jim Jeffcoat locks horns with former New York Giants wide receiver Byron Williams. And now, here's Byron Williams and Jim Jeffcoat. If you like the sweet science, If you like the sweet science, get ready to talk boxing on the Gloved Fist podcast with top boxing writers Frank Letirzo and Jack Hirsch. Frank, a former amateur boxer out of Philadelphia, writes for NY Fights and can be seen on the Boxing Channel. Jack, an amateur boxer who competed in the New York Golden Gloves, was a six-term president of the Boxing Writers Association. And now, here's Frank Letirzo and Jack Hirsch. See right now without LeBron, Lakers are, are struggling. 
Let me tell you about a team I hate, all right? I know the Dallas Cowboys fan is here, so I had to make sure he knew how much I hate this Oh, team. I'm ready. I've often said that the people who run baseball, they try very hard to ruin it. I'm from Brooklyn. I don't have a problem saying it to his face. Oh, Brooklyn. Hey, isn't he? It just might be the greatest sports franchise in the history of sports. A place where legends are made, and there's always something to talk about. Get ready to immerse yourself in pinstripes. Start spreading the news, hosted by Paul Semendinger and E.J. Fagan, a couple of doctors with a prescription for Yankee fever. And now, here's Dr. Paul Semendinger and Dr. E.J. Fagan. Get ready to start spreading the news. This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Mac and Jack Sports Show. Up with us right now, Jack is out real sad. Well, I mean, he probably says something to him during the break. What I do? Jeez, again. I know. So, Jack is Jack will be back in a second, folks. Don't worry. Uh, Keith Angle's with us right now. Uh, Keith from TGI. F Sports Talk does a great job over there. Love having him on every Friday and Sunday um, to cover, uh, of course, the Patriots, NFL, a little bit of the Knicks now and then, especially with the season starting. And there's Jack. There he is. How are we doing, Jack? Going to start covering tackle basketball, by the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What happened? Going to start covering tackle basketball. My Sunday uh, my Sunday audience wants to start covering uh, odd sports, and they want a story of the week, and I found tackle basketball, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about Sunday. Interesting, uh, interesting. Invented by the Russians, it appears. Really? Mac, I just get to see, Keith, my new granddaughter coming from out of town for the first time. Wow. I come, give a quick look, and now i got to get back to do the Mac and Jack show oh, later. It shows you what my values lie. My granddaughter is here. Wow. You see my devotion? Yes, yes. So, you so keep my time when contract time comes up. I was going to say he's angling for a new, a big raise. He is. He is. He always is. That's that's Jack. He's an angler by trade. So, <laughs> um, you know, we we have you on. Um, you know, to discuss the Patriots a lot. Some Knicks news, Yankees journey, MLB uh, season. Um, and I asked you to come in and kind of break down the Patriots year to kind of review what happened with the Patriots mm-hmm. uh, this year. Um, it, you know, what do you think they, they need to improve in if they need to pick up any players that, that you would uh, love having on your team? Of course, it's a lot of it has to do with fantasy and what you want, but I think it'd be a lot of fun if we could do that. So Keith, starting off with the Patriots, uh, what do you, what did you see last year that you, you know, you, you didn't like, and that you want to change for this year? Well, things didn't start well uh, right from training camp where, you know, with all the mystery about the play caller and no offense coordinator. And I thought Bill Belichick did a horrible job of handling this. In the beginning, I wanted to trust him because Matt Patricia's literally a rocket scientist, as I keep saying. Um, And Belichick's mantra was good coaches can coach any position. Well, it didn't work out that way. They set Mac Jones back. Um, they didn't put them in a position to succeed, which in turn didn't put Mac Jones in the best position to grow and succeed. He played well. He played much better in the second half of the season, by the way. But 
all that said, that started out in a bad tone. The Patriots got off to a horrible start, which I said would happen. They recovered a bit in midseason, and they lost three games that they really should not have lost. They finished eight and nine. That's your record. That's the way it played out. But they gave away two games uh, to the Raiders and, and turned the Bengals, two games that they were in position to win. They weren't, again, they blew it themselves, plus a horrible home loss to Chicago. Um, I blame myself, the coaching staff, for all the Patriots ills this year. This is Bill Belichick's worst job in my mind, worst job he's done coaching in his career, including maybe Cleveland, where some th- things were not good there. I do think they'll recover. We'll talk a little bit about that in a second. With all that said, there were some bright spots. Mac Jones did recover a bit a little bit. I like the fire that Mac Jones showed those times he was coming off the field, getting in people's faces, because it shows he cares and he wants to win, you know, and and that things needed to change. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson really developed into, I think, what you'll see is the full-time number one back uh, next year. This year he basically was because of injuries to Harris. He ran for over 1,000 yards. Became a big part of that Patriot passing game. I think he caught close to 70 passes, 60, high 60s. Again, most of it the second half of the season. Um, Jacoby Myers uh, was probably their most reliable receiver in and out with injuries, though. I think you'll see him back next year. Kendrick Bourne on the downside, they could not find a way to get him. He's probably the best game breaker they have on this team. He showed it last year. They could not find a way until a couple of games late in the season to get him involved uh, enough, not enough touches, whether it be the jet sweeps or, or getting the ball in, in open field. Um, I think there was some, you saw some uh, improvement from Barmore on the, on the defensive line until he got hurt. Matthew Juden showed again, he's one of the best defensive players in football uh, with his performance this year which kind of sh- overshadowed a couple other guys like Bentley and Duggers, who they've got some guys on this defense that can uh, that are good to build around. Now they're going to have some things to, to replace too, because it looks like Devin McCourty's going to retire. Um, all signs point to that right now. And I think he's going to be a hall of famer uh, when all is said and done uh, at safety. Um, they've got to get some work on the, on the cornerbacks because they have some free agencies with Jonathan Jones and, and some other guys. But I think they've made a right step here in the, in the early offseason. They brought a guy back. I'm not shocked because Belichick likes to work with guys he's familiar with. They brought Bill O'Brien in to run the offense, not just be the offensive coordinator. He's the offensive coordinator. He's the quarterback coach. And by all appearances, it looks like he's going to be given – the offense to do what he wants with, because he's already said Matt Patricia will not be the offensive line coach. They're talking to, uh, uh, I want to say Adrian Clem, the offensive line, uh, uh, line coach for Oregon, who Dante Scarnecchi, a longtime Patriot quarterback, a legend in, in, in New England, um, used to love what he was doing out there in Oregon. And they're talking to him about being the offensive line coach where they need a lot of help. Um, and by all accounts, he will be the guy who kind of runs that entire offense and Bill's going to be a little bit more hands off. He'll have the final say, obviously, but you won't have that, that whole mess that you had last year with Patricia and judge and, and yeah. all that, that stuff. Patricia's future is uh, two, th- two quick things. I'll let you go there. Uh, uh, Jack Patricia's, I think his future is in doubt whether he stays in the front office. I think he may go back to an advisory role and maybe in the front office if he stays and Judge is going to uh, 
certainly have a new job. They're keeping, it looks like now that they're keeping, they were going to fire the special teams coach whose name's escaping me at the moment. Um, But it looks like they may keep him now, but maybe they'll reassign him and get Joe judge back where he does his best work, which is on special teams, which was also a disaster for the Patriots much of this year and capped off with those two touchdown uh, returns for touchdowns against Buffalo at the end of the season. So I cut in when you mentioned Joe Judge's name because a report came out in one of the Boston newspapers that Joe Judge was an absolute disaster, that him and Mac Jones hated one another. Oh, yeah. They got into a big shouting match, the two of them. And at team meetings, the other assistant coaches on the team couldn't stand Joe Judge. His voice was loud, like he was trying to ingratiate himself as being one of the leaders yeah. on the team at the expense of other coaches, and which could take us back as Mac had vouched to one of the giant uh, assistant coaches actually wound up quitting the team more or less and getting fired because he shouted at Joe Judge when Joe Judge was the head coach there because of Joe Judge's meddling went overboard. And Bill Belichick reportedly was shouting at Joe Judge. So how does Joe Judge survive all this? Supposedly this guy has been bad news from yeah. the Giants to New England. Yeah, and, and Belichick will give him the benefit of the doubt. I, I agree with everything you said. And I mean, with it, you saw with his tenure with the, with the Giants, and again, Mackin has certainly saw this up close, that yeah. you know he's not a people person. That's for damn sure. I mean, didn't he make the coaches run laps yeah. at, at one point? I mean... The guy is just like off the wall. Um, I wasn't happy to see him come back. He's he's a really good special teams coach. I will give him that much. But the Giants special teams weren't good when he was the head coach of the uh, Giants. Well, again, you know, he was they haven't been good with New England. They were very good when he was with New England. Very good. They, yeah. Patriots, Patriots have had good offense or good special teams pretty much through their whole yeah. year and run. Buffalo return a couple of TDs against. Uh, was that Miami and New England? Against New England, I think. What are we talking about, this year? This year. Well, he had nothing to do with the special teams. I'm saying the special teams stunk. The special team specialist, why wasn't he put in charge of that? He wasn't that goes, in charge of New England before the special teams. That, that goes back to my first comments that I started with. Bill Belichick, who is famous. This team is famous for putting players and coaches in a position to succeed, started this season by – putting them in a position to fail by putting two guys in charge of the offense who should not have been doing that. That's not their forte. Patricia's uh, forte's defense judges his special teams, and that's where they should have been coaching or not on the sideline at all. So, 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 Keith, so, Keith, so Keith, why, why did, why did Bill Belichick do this stuff? I mean, <laughs> I, you know, listen, is it, is it because he thinks everything he's touched in the past turns to gold? Is it because he thinks he knows better than everybody else? Uh, in that in that in that uh, franchise I mean what what's going on with him I think Bill Belichick had a vision for this offense and this and all the scheme changes the zone blocking scheme change the change in terminology everything was geared around what Bill Belichick wanted and he wanted guys that would implement what he wanted not a guy like Bill O'Brien who's going to be headstrong and tell Bill he'll tell Bill Belichick no Matt Patricia on offense is not in a position to do that he is on defense, but not on offense. And I think that's why he put these guys in there and thinking, I do believe at the end of the day, he thought they were good enough coaches to be able to adapt, but I don't think they had the right offense for the, for the 
uh, skills that the players are on the team. So they didn't, he did not put them in position to succeed this year at all. And Mac Jones takes the brunt of this because he regresses a bit in his second year. He's going to benefit greatly. By the way, there's going to be no quant core quarterback controversy in New England. Bill O'Brien's in here to fix Mac Jones and make him a winning quarterback in the NFL. Make no doubt. Did this decision come from the top from Robert Kraft? Do you think he told Bill Belichick, you have to give up a certain amount of power? You know, they're having Bill O'Brien is completely in charge of the offense. I mean, he has to obviously communicate with Bill Belichick, but do you think Bill Belichick has given up this power? Uh, I, I, I think it's a little bit of power he's given up, right? It's not a lot. I do believe they certainly had a question, uh, a conversation, um, and maybe Kraft had to kind of goad him a little bit to say, this isn't working. We have to do something else. We can't have another year like this uh, with this type of uh, dysfunctional offense. And as you said, dysfunction going on in the locker room and everywhere else. With, with And maybe Joe Judge does walk, uh, get, get his walking papers because of it. Because of it. But I think I think they came to this conclusion pretty much together, but probably because Bill Belichick knew if he didn't agree with Robert Kraft on this, he might have got his hand forced. So yeah. I think that's probably how that worked out. So you know, upcoming this year, Keith. You know, like I said, this is this is kind of fantasy. I did this with the Giants. I mean, it, you know, there's reasons that I want the Giants to improve in certain positions, and I imagine you do too with the Patriots. Mm-hmm. If if you were to Take some new players, some free agents that are available. I checked out all the free agents when I did this um, that were available that could end up at the Patriots. Who are you looking at and, and where are you looking to put them in, Keith? Well, one guy I like who's not necessarily a free agent, I don't think, is uh, DeAndre Hopkins. There's been a lot of chatter about DeAndre Hopkins uh, coming to the Patriots uh, ever since. And I'm sure that if he does make it to the Patriots somehow, there'll be all kinds of tampering charges because we have video of uh, – uh, Belichick and Hopkins having a love fest when the Patriots played the the Cardinals uh, uh, a while back. Um, he's a one guy that I'd want to bring in here that would that would really help this offense and be a playmaker. And I think he's got a lot left in the tank. Wait, 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 um, wait, 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 wait. Keith, Keith. Yep, go ahead. DeAndre Hopkins played for Bill O'Brien for the Houston Texans, and reportedly there was tension there that they didn't get along great. So yep. I don't see the fit. Why Bill O'Brien would want a guy he didn't get along with when he was the head coach, a guy who in part contributed to him becoming a former coach of the Texans. I, I don't I don't see the connection there, even though we know what Hopkins brings to the table as a receiver. It's possible, but remember, Bill Belichick still will make those decisions. Bill O'Brien will have chart and be in charge of that offense, but I'm not saying he's going to have the final say on who comes and goes. Whether that happens or not, again, they'd have to make a trade for him, I believe. So I don't know that it's even uh, possible that it can happen. The, the problem with uh, what I'm looking for uh, in, a, in being a game breaker, I can't find a wide receiver available in free agency who really fits the bill of what I want. Um, I'm just trying to trying to take a quick look here. Devontae Adams is available, Keith. He's not a free agent though. He's gonna be, he's got a That's contract, a so right. he's got to be traded too. Again, another guy I'd love to see come here. Um, I mean, no relationship there. I don't think I don't think uh, uh, Josh McDaniels is gonna be in a hurry to trade him back to his old team, especially as he's trying so. to fight a he's trying to fight a quarterback that Devontae will uh, want to stay uh, right. and play with. 
Um, so it's good. They, they're going to rely a lot, I think, on progression by Thornton. I think uh, Thornton uh, had some spurts this year where he looked good. Their first round draft pick out of Baylor last year had some injury issues, but he had some moments where he looked pretty good. I think Myers will be back. He can move the chains. Again, I think because they're probably going to have to go into the draft, and you may see them try to get in position to pick an Addison out of uh, 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 USC, one of those types of wide receivers, uh, to fill that position. Cornerback's going to be another place that they're going to look because Jonathan Jones is a free agent, and they probably want to improve over that number one uh, cornerback anyway. Um, Definitely the uh, definitely the offensive line is going to see a great overhaul, especially the tackles, because Isaiah Wynn and Trent Williams were pretty much a disaster this whole year. They were either hurt or, you know, we had false start after false start and holding penalties. And another example of, you know, this being the worst coaching job in Belichick's history is this. I guarantee you, if I look at the, the number of penalties, this is one of his most penalized teams ever, especially in New England. Uh, just terrible penalties. Um, and I think I think they got some depth at running back. It's wide receiver. Maybe they got to improve the tight ends because Jonu Smith and, and Hunter Henry have been up and down, especially for the contracts that they've paid them. They got, they got a lot of cap money, which they had two years ago, and other than Matthew Judon, I'm not really crazy about all the things that they did with it. So we'll see how, you know, whether he goes out like a drunken sailor. I don't think you'll see Bill Belichick do the same thing he did uh, two years ago when he had all the money. I think you'll see much smarter plays. And I'm trying to find if there was a guy, there's just not a guy that's an unrestricted free agent. That doesn't mean there aren't other guys that I say, this is a guy who can change this offense. I really think he's going to have to potentially look to the draft. And, you know, he's more likely to pick an offensive lineman in the first round of the draft than he is a wide receiver. So yeah, he is. Yeah, saw that. And by the way, the one guy who played really well and consistent for the most part was Cole Strong, the, the guy we ridiculed, uh, yeah, me included. That first that's round very true. But listen, Bill Belichick knows talent. That's one thing about Bill Belichick or the scouting department or whoever yeah. they're doing over there. They do know, uh, especially at schools that you don't expect uh, them to pick up players from, like like yeah, like what you're talking about here. So okay, so so you're saying wide receiver? Maybe you got to go to the draft. Uh, which is very, uh, you know, who knows what you get there sometimes, uh, right. and maybe maybe you got players that will stay on that will uh, that will get better or improve, and and you know you always hope that for your team, um, and and maybe your uh, offensive line and cornerback. So that's really your three areas that you're concerned about. That, that'd so, be my main concerns. Yeah, <laughs> you sound a lot like the Giants over there. Keith. It does, right? <laughs> a real quick uh, before we move on, I have Jet Jack's going to give his Jets. Uh, you know, synopsis here after after you give me a little uh, Knicks news here. Julian Randle scores, what it was, 37 points. Uh, the yeah. Knicks finally beat the Celtics. It took overtime to do it. Uh, I don't think it's a big deal because, uh, you know, I don't think they can beat Boston on a regular. They're not going to – definitely not going to beat them in the series. But it's a step. Another step for the Knicks. I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful. I feel good about being a Knicks fan, something I haven't felt in years. So that's good, Keith. No, it is. The Knicks have been – they've been very inconsistent. They, they've played much better, obviously, than they played the beginning of the year where they weren't playing well and it started to look like they weren't going to make the playoffs. They're they're on that, you know, that cut line between the play-in tournament and, you know, the top six seeds. Uh, they'll probably – I think they'll probably hover around that all year and, you know, 45 to – 
45 to 50 wins would be really good, I think, for this team. It's going to be interesting to do with what they do at the at the deadline. Um, you know, obviously some some uh, some veterans are going to be in danger. They, you know, Thibodeau loves uh, Rose, Jalen Rose, but chances are he's not going to contribute here. He's lost both of his playing time to Quentin Grimes, and rightfully so, I think, at this point. Uh, they want to trade him. They want to work with him and get him in a good position, which may be back to the, the Bulls from what I hear. Uh, they want to move Fournier, who it's funny. He says he doesn't want to get traded, but he'd like to play, but you can't play, so you're not going to be here. Yeah. Toppin's name is coming up again because yeah. he's, again, started off fairly well, but then he got injured again and been very inconsistent. But to to, for, to me, they're going to have to part with somebody better than those guys to be able to bring in an impact player. Um, maybe it's going to – yeah, I love Barrett. Barrett may end up being the sacrifice here at some point because I don't know if quickly and the guys I've already talked about, Cam Reddish is another guy who's probably going to get moved. What a waste of a number one draft pick for that guy uh, last year. Um, I think the Knicks – Again, I think 45 wins, getting in the playoffs, winning a first-round playoff uh, series would be good for this team and a good step. But, I mean, I can't help but sit there and look at the at the Cavaliers who the Knicks have been looking up at all year and watching the numbers that Donovan Mitchell keeps putting up game after game and thinking, boy, he'd look really good on this team. Keith loves talking about Donovan Mitchell. Uh, let me just mention, if Julius Randle – was a player by another name, and you look what he's done. He's really slipped under the radar. I can argue he's been one of the best players in the NBA this year. You know, if I make that argument, you can't shoot it down necessarily. He's been better this year, I think, than he was a couple of years ago. He had an off year last year, but what a resurgence. So if you want to talk about comeback player of the year in the NBA – I can make that argument for Julius Randle. And if Barrett takes his game up just a little with what Brunson has been doing, they have a big three that could hold their own with any big three in the NBA, meaning if the bench players come around, they could make a, they could actually make a run at the NBA title, as crazy as it sounds. Well, they'd Listen. have to get a lot better. They'd have to get a lot better there now. They're because de- their defense no, no, is no, really the bench so has to really, really step up somewhat, you yeah. know. And Randall has to continue on this torrid pace, and Barrett's got to get just a little better because Brunson's going to continue to be consistent. Yeah, and to start with Jones, or I'm sorry, Randall, uh, Julius Randall, it's possible he is playing at a better level. The only thing he's regressed on is assists, but that's because we got a real point point guard out there. So that's gonna that makes sense. The offense doesn't need to go through him. Uh, He's been very consistent. His attitude is is back to where it was two years ago, and not the nightmare that it was last year. So that's been a big thing. Barrett got off to a really poor start along with a lot of other guys. And he's played really well the last uh, six weeks, two months. Um, and, I, you know, I don't want to part with this kid. And I just – I really hope that they don't. They, they do have a bit of a defensive challenge with Brunson and Barrett and and uh, and uh, quickly when they're on the court together for sure. They're really the only guy I can see as a shutdown defensive player on this team right now is Quentin Grimes, who plays very good defense, and he's a gritty player. And he's finally uh, uh, Thibodeau's embraced him and his what he can bring to this team. Uh, they could do some damage. They could surprise some people in the playoffs and maybe win a couple of series. I do think they are lacking uh, 
they're lacking a. They need a real another good defensive shutdown player and a guy who can, another guy who can put the ball in the basket at crunch time. Um, but I like the, I do love Brunson. He's been a good signing, and uh, Barrett continues to progress. We say that year after year, and I'm just afraid at some point, Leon Rose knows he needs to make this trade that he hasn't been able to make since he's been here. They haven't been a impact trade since they brought. Uh, uh, oh God! All of a sudden, my mind just went. Uh, Anthony, hello, Anthony, in here. You know, over ten years ago, that's the last impact player they've traded for. So Keith, so Keith, again, I, I think I think uh, the Knicks is showing progress. I feel yeah. a little bit better than I have in a long time about the Knicks. So um, you know, let's see what they do as you say in the trade deadline. Let's see if they can pick up a a score or a couple, a couple good play. I mean, just a couple, few good players they yeah. can put on the bench may make a difference. So Jack, like I'm going to build nice couple of nice wins. You went to the Celtics and they beat the, the, the Cavaliers the game before that. So in a couple of nice wins uh, after four or five game losing streak. So let's keep this momentum going a little bit. Going. Yes. Jack. So here, here you go. The Jets. Keith, you want to stick around and, talk and listen to Jack's? Uh, oh, sure, uh, I love this. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's let's see what Jack's got with the Jets here. How the Jets can become better? What he thinks about last year, and uh, and uh, if there's any players out there he would like to maybe. I steal. mean, I mean, you don't need me for this. I mean, everyone knows that it's it's obvious the number one issue with the Jets. They've got to uh, address the quarterback situation. You know, I'm getting sick of this Zach Wilson talk. Don't talk about straightening him out and bringing him back unless he's coming to camp and you intend to start him. You brought in Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, he's been linked to Aaron Rodgers, but Robert Salah, the head coach, said it best. Everyone's linked to everyone else in this league. So I don't want to hear Aaron Rodgers coming to the Jets. My fear is... They're going to go the Derek Carr route. Please don't do that. That will be putting a Band-Aid on the situation for one year. Yeah, Derek Carr is going to take you up a little level. They'll win a couple of more games. They'll maybe get in the playoffs. They'll lose their first game. Heaven forbid they win one playoff game. Everyone's going to get excited. And then they're going to regress the following year. Okay? So it's only, uh, you know, it's only going to buy a little time getting a Derek Carr so what's going to happen in the quarterback situation? I don't know. They go number 13. Even if they went low in the draft and they could draft the quarterback, I just don't see it happening again. Me personally, I would try to straighten out the Zach Wilson situation. The problem with hiring Nathaniel Hackett is, even though he has a great resume as an offensive coordinator, look what happened at Denver last year. Russell Wilson was awful with him there. And notice when Nathaniel Hackett left, Russell Wilson got better. So I'm a little concerned there. Now, the Jets didn't have a running game, okay? Uh, as soon as Bryce Hall went down, the running game fell apart. Michael Carter, who had a good rookie year a couple of years ago, he's obviously not the answer. So Bryce Hall is coming back. If you can add another running back, uh, maybe Elijah Vera Tucker coming back, a Becton coming back, the offensive line will straighten out and things will be better there. Uh, their defense is pretty good, but the issues that you know have to get addressed first and foremost, Quentin Williams, they're gonna, he's a must to resign. 
but how much are you willing to pay a guy? I mean, I mean, that's the question, you know, too. And that's also Sheldon Rankins is important, you know, uh, in the defensive tackle position as well. So, but, but all teams have, you know, those issues as well. I mean, strong safety and the safety position, you know, with Jordan Whitehead, he was good, but he's got to take his game up a little bit as well. I mean, Mac, maybe we rave your Giants for Julian Love. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't know if the Giants don't sign him. He could find a home with the Jets. Wide receiver, I mean, as, as outstanding as Garrett Wilson was, all of a sudden the depth we thought we had early in the year when Elijah Moore was the sixth receiver, the depth doesn't look as good. I mean, certain guys like uh, Corey Davis, Braxton Berrios, you know, had a case of the drafts, Denzel Mims, you know, I mean, the depth doesn't seem that great. You know, they got guys there. Uh, you know who I really like? Who could, I could be a cheap pickup who could really help with ball control. You get a guy like Scotty Miller, of all the free agents out there, he's the guy I would target the most. I mean, I wouldn't target these bigger name free agents like Schuster Smith, who, you know, Clay Poole, if he's a free agent. Guys are going to have to pay big money too, you know. Scotty uh, Miller would be a cheaper proposition, a possession type receiver who's shown an ability to catch deep passes as well. I like him. And a tight end, tight end, all of a sudden, the position of tight end has had a big resurgence in the NFL. It's more important than it's ever been. In the past, all you wanted was a tight end who could block in this and that. But now we're seeing tight ends is being like big time receivers basically and with the jets with tyler conklin plenty of catches but for little yardage your tight end has to be a playmaker i think in this day and age i mean just look what it's meant for the chiefs and the 49ers and some of the other teams about the jaguars or that former giant right evan ingram you know and the coaching I mean, coaching is so, so important now. We tend to underrate it, what it it means. I mean, just what Keith just mentioned, Evan Ingram's with the Giants. You mean to tell me they couldn't have worked with him and made him better? Like he had a case of, you know, the drops when he was with the Giants. He would drop balls. So we tended to give up on him. He goes to Doug Peterson and the Jaguars, which Keith's mentioning, Look how good he was with the Jaguars this year. Wouldn't the Giants love to have him? Heck, I mean, the Jets could sign him. I mean, I would jump on it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that was the previous um, coaching staff that really let him go. It wasn't the ball. I guess they could have signed him, but uh, you know they let him go. Um, so you're talking, uh, of course, quarterback, which is a big one. Uh, running uh, wide receiver, no running backs, which you need. Um, tight ends, which is, as you said, is a big position out there right now. I fooled him, Keith. I said maybe Saquon Barkley end up in the Jets. That ain't You know, Mel Kuyper's mock draft, the name escapes me now. Receiver from Ohio State, he had the Jets taking. It was Garrett Wilson's teammate, actually. So maybe Garrett Wilson would buy him with that. But you sense that Garrett Wilson has to be the man. And I don't get the Elijah Moss situation. How could he go from the 
outs with the Jets early in the year. After having a decent rookie year, second year, you know, they hardly use him. And he winds up being the number two receiver on the Jets by the end of the year. I don't understand the inconsistency, but I will say, say this. Robert Salah is on going to be on the hot seat next year. Yeah. This honeymoon period is completely over. He's going to be on the hot seat. The Jets get off to a slow start. The fan base is going to be calling for some type of change. You know, uh, about more, I love Elijah Moore, uh, and it's you bring him up. I read a story this week, I think it was in the Post, that part of that midseason swoon and his blow-up about requesting a trade and all that was because him and LaFleur got into it, similar to what you talked about with Judge and, and Mac Jones, and that caused a big riff for a bunch of weeks. And then all of a sudden they kind of made up and and he was a little bit more productive, although the offense didn't score a touchdown for about. But how did he, how did his status fall so much from his rookie year and what was predicted of him on the Matt LaFleur? Or was it a case, Keith, Robert Salah worked with Matt LaFleur at San Francisco. They came up together. Mm-hmm. So they had this great working relationship and probably a very good personal relationship. So Robert Salah was putting his trust in LaFleur and it just didn't work. That, you know, it, it, it that points out the like rookie head coaches, if they're defensive minded, they really need to hire a veteran offensive coordinator, not a first time offense coordinator yeah. and vice versa. If you got a guy who's ingrained in offense, like Dave, he went out and got Wink Martindale, right? That you see how that, that works. You can't really have a rookie head coach with this specialty and then a rookie coordinator with his, the opposite specialty. And you saw it not work with the Jets, I think. Question though. We talked about you joked about Saquon Barkley. Why would the Jets not get themselves into the Daniel Jones conversation? Why not? You need a quarterback. He's gonna be on the market. I can't I think know. I can't think of 10 quarterbacks in the NFL that I take over Daniel Jones right now. I can't if they'd have to pay him big money. I wouldn't do it if I were the Jets, but you know who I would go after? I would go after Saquon Barkley. The Jets picked number 13 overall in the draft. To get Saquon Barkley, I would give up that pick and I would give up not another first round pick. I wouldn't give up two number ones, but I would give up maybe a a third and a fourth in the future. Yeah, three players mm-hmm. to get Saquon Barkley. Would the Giants do it? If they're lukewarm on Saquon Barkley, they might do it for the number 13 pick overall and maybe a couple of number threes, let's say. I would do that, and I would pay Saquon Barkley well. I pay him a deal as one of the higher-paid running backs in the NFL, and he would be a major difference maker. You put him with Brees Hall in that backfield, oh, excellent. And Becton and Vera coming back, or you know, and I would start Zach Wilson there. You got him already. Either trade Zach Wilson. Or start him. None of these games. He's in his third year. You don't want a guy carrying a clipboard in his third year and starting to learn. Just play him. Zach, people forget Zach Wilson played during the season and he had a degree of success. And he's not going to learn if you play him. Either you're all in on Zach Wilson or get rid of him. I don't see any in between. (laughs) I definitely agree that. Yeah, I got to agree with that. I don't know that he's ever going to make it here in New York, but uh, I agree that he can't be here and sit. 
Well, you know, I mean, there's been a lot of a lot of players uh, that have come around, even if they've stayed in New York and stuff. There are players that have come around and played well uh, after the first couple of years. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Listen, Jack, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I hope Saquon Barkley doesn't leave, but it's very possible, and and uh, we'll see what happens. Um, let's talk a little bit about the NBA guys. They got the All Star coming game coming up with LeBron and Giannis are captains. Uh, you know, I got the uh, players that are on the team. The West is Curry, Donick, Jokic, Williams, and uh, LeBron. And then the East has Durant, uh, Irvin, Mitchell, and Tatum. Of course, Giannis is on there also. Uh, it doesn't mean what it used to mean, of course, like any other All-Star game. Um, but, you know, I mean, if you got nothing to do, Keith, on a Tuesday, why not? You know, I got to be honest with you. I could have nothing to do on a Tuesday. I wouldn't watch this game because, I mean, I can't, all they do is go up and down the court, throw the ball at the backboard and dunk it. It's 180 to 185, and it's like it's not even resembling the game that that uh, they play. I mean, I think they're going to, at some point, they're going to have to go the way the, the NFL went with the Pro Bowl and do something different than what they do yeah. now. Because this is – people are just going to stop watching. Yes, I agree. Keith, your th- I mean, not Keith. Jack, your thoughts? I mean, are you going to watch the uh, All-Star game? I never liked the All-Star games. I mean, listen, I'm even thinking of something like the World Cup in baseball. They don't even treat that seriously. The players use it as a springboard to the season. Oh, I don't want to play because I want to be ready for the season. I mean, you, you want to make these. If you want to make these games important, you have to find a better way. I don't think you can do it in the NFL because of the physical contact. And are they gonna? You know, they they were playing the game like the week before the Super Bowl, but the tackling would be very, very weak, understandably. And it was just like in glorified exhibition. You want to tune in. You want to have a lot of laughs. You can't make an NFL All-Star game, a serious game. You could do it in the NBA. They did it one year in the NBA. What year was that, Keith? Where at the end of the game, the players were taking it seriously and they wanted to win those last few minutes and yeah. they were going at it. I yeah, love yeah. it. That will happen, and I've seen it in, in multiple games if I've made it that long, right, <laughs> where, where they do take it serious. But take it serious the whole game then. I mean, look at and I hate to be that guy because I always turn out to be that guy. Back in the day – Right. You go back to the 70s, the All-Star games all were played hard. The Pro Bowl was playing hard. The yeah. M- M- Major League Baseball guys cared about winning. Even the NBA All-Star game was entertaining back in those days. But the, at progressively, all of those games have gotten worse and worse and worse. So I have an idea. I have an idea with the NBA All-Star game. Every player should be given – a million dollars to charity of his choice if your team wins, every guy on the roster. So that'll be a motivation, you know. All of them, I'm sure, have a charity that they want to give to. And the players on the losing team will think, darn it, I better not lose the game because I'm going to look bad. I'm probably going to have to take some money out of my own pocket as damage control to add on to the charity. You know, a charity game. Make Maybe if you didn't put their own money on the line. I always said this about golf, and I hate to talk about golf because I know Mac feels, but when they played the big money skins game, right, I would, I always said this would be much more fun if the players put their own money up, right, because they were playing for, you know, $20 million in skins. And I'm like, 
have them all put money in a kitty, that would be more interesting because they'd care a lot more than playing for you know somebody else's money. So well, it's it's gambling. Speaking of that, I don't know Mac. Were you going to ask Keith his thoughts on the Hall of Fame? Scott Rowland getting in a, a, a very good, a wonderful player. But have we gotten to the point with the Hall of Fame guys? where it's the hall of the very good over career. It, it, yeah. It's been diminished in a lot of sports. Scott Rowland, I'd love him to be the Yankee third baseman. Don't get me wrong. If I could have a young Scott Rowland, I would love having him. You know, he was a heck of a player. But are we talking about Hall of Fame now? And is he more worthy than Keith Hernandez to go in the hall? How about Don Banningley? Well, Don Mattingly, yeah. The issue with Don Mattingly, they said he didn't do long enough. Listen, I think Thurman Munson should be in. But listen, is it so bad that we've changed the standards? Because that will open it up to Don Mattingly to eventually get in. And are we looking at body of work, fellas? You know, body of work. I mean, if if a guy has done it as more than one thing, like Don Mattingly, look, he's was a Marlin coach for longer than any Marlin manager in history, coached the Dodgers. He'll be a bench coach with the Blue Jays. Should that be counted? Well, they do count it different, but again, it's, it's in different sections. They don't lump it together because Joe Torrey was in the same situation, right? He was a, he was a decent, he was a very good player, probably not a hall of fame player. He was a hall of fame manager. And you're right. The hall, the, it has become the hall of very good. And I'm not telling you necessarily, hands down, Don Mattingly belongs in a Hall of Fame. But if Scott Rowland's in a Hall of Fame and Kirby Puckett's in a Hall of Fame and Harold Baines is in a Hall of Fame, well, then Don Mattingly belongs in that Hall of Fame. Well, That's all I'm know, saying. Jeff well, Kent or Scott Rowland, who would you have voted for, Keith? Who's that? Who's the first one? Jeff Kent or Scott Rowland. Jeff Kent Jeff was Kent. on the ballot. He didn't get Jeff in. Kent. Jeff Kent was the dominant second baseman of his era. I would have voted for Jeff Kent as well. Yeah. You know, the problem is, guys, is that we haven't really had any players. uh, We're starting to get there again. I think it's a cycle. But we haven't had players in a long time like the Mantles and the Mazes and the Roosts and the Garricks, right? We've had players that are are very good. That that, Don't vote anybody in. Well, you know, I mean, that that would be pretty pretty boring, though, I think. I think they got to do something, right? Well, again. do you want it to be like the NFL where you got to have a minimum number of guys, which I think is ridiculous? I, I think I think that the Hall of Fame needs to have people put in it. I, I, don't, I, I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with you. But right now, Mike Trout, I mean, he's going in the Hall of Fame right now. I mean, there's no doubt yeah. about it. You yeah. could compare him to Mickey Mantle. You could compare him with these guys. Uh, yeah. Otani, if he keeps going the way he's going. Another guaranteed Hall of Famer. So we do have players coming around now that are equal to uh, the players back then. I think it's just a cycle in the way you know the way the way the players are are are, are handled, the way they're coached. There's a lot of things involved in it. Uh, definitely, the Hall of Fame, Baseball Hall of Fame, has to be more open. It has to you know know who's deciding who's putting these people in. This has been a problem for a long time with with the Baseball Hall of Fame. And, and 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 the things the people that they have not voted in i mean there there's a problem there but again um you but, know. but your argument speaks to jacks it's be, you've lowered the standard for becoming a hall sure. of famer and that's sure. the fred mcgriffs the the harold baines even the gil hodges of the world you know what great 
great people, great players for a long period of time, but are they as good as the Mickey Mantles and the Babe Ruth? No. No, Kate, when Gil Hodges retired, when he retired at that moment, I believe he had more home runs than uh, any, you know, first base uh, – Right-handed first baseman or something like right? Wasn't it? Yeah, like yeah, whatever. But, but, but what he did as manager, the Mets and all. But let me ask you this. Has it gotten to the point now, we knew Bonds with this, had the steroid issue hanging over him when he played, yet he was still allowed to play. So why shouldn't we vote for him? Why didn't they suspend him at the time? A-Rod as well, he played during the time. Well, we we kind of knew about it after and he came back and played Clemens. I mean, I have a, I don't want to either put these guys on the ballot. If they were on the ballot, you got to vote for them or yeah. keep them off the darn ballots. Just, I have very strong feelings about that as well. I say you vote for them. You you vote for them. You put them in a Hall of Fame and you put on their plaque, warts and all, right? Uh, suspended from baseball. I'm Pete Rose, whatever. Pete Rose, how do you have a Hall of Fame without Pete Rose? Rose? It's a joke. You it's can't have a Hall of Fame without Pete Rose, but you put on his plaque, banned for betting on baseball. Put it right there. I mean, but he well, belongs in the Hall of Fame. Kate, ban him from baseball, but not the Hall of Fame. What does no, the no. Hall of Fame have to do with it? And what him betting on the games, he didn't bet when he was a player, reportedly, as a manager. That's right. what it came out. So you just said it yourself. You made, made the point. Well, we have to judge Don Mattingly what he did as a player. It's not body of work. So why are we judging Pete Rose's body of work that he bet when he was a manager? Way he bet on his team to win. It's wrong. Ban him from the game a few years. What he did, but then the, some of these players who are so righteous point out, well, when you go in the clubhouse, the sign says this or that. Is this a darn life? I mean, a lifetime ban. What the heck is a lifetime ban? A Bud Sealing, the guy who oversaw the steroid era. I mean, this isn't the hall of you know great yeah, character, we, right? Because there's a lot of bad character people yeah. in there. If you're going to kick out all bad character, you just start with Ty Cobb and go to the NFL and kick out OJ and Ray Lewis and all these other guys who are bad characters. And, and this is a this is players. yeah right. Why don't we ban these guys who got in? who wouldn't allow black players to play Major League Baseball? Yeah. Who contributed? What about the players who led a movement to prevent black players from playing Major League Baseball? Let's kick them out of the Hall of Fame now. No, I wouldn't I wouldn't do that either, but I understand no, your no, argument. I'll give you an example. Oh, I know. I agree. You know the Josh Gibsons, you know, who couldn't play, who had superstar potential, you yeah. know, as major leaguers were prevented by certain bigots. They're all to me, political. That's worse than the guy taking <clears throat> the you know, they're all, they're all political these, committees now today. These arguments have gone on forever and ever and ever, and we sure ain't going to solve them here today. That's for sure. If um, we could, if people would actually listen to what the hell I got to say, damn it. <laughs> well, yeah, Keith, that's for sure. But, uh, <laughs> You know, we don't have that power of pull right now. Maybe eventually we will, Keith. Maybe we'll be able to do that. Quick note on the NFL, uh, the NFL All-Star or All-Pro game now, of course, has become a skills championship. They're playing uh, flag football. They're playing dodgeball. Uh, they're playing uh, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff over there. Um, again, I might watch the I dodge. might watch it. I might watch I the might dodgeball. Watch it. 
I might. I might. You know, they seem pretty excited about it. So at least they're know. doing something different. You know, I mean, at least yeah. I don't want to see that game at either seventy to sixty-five either. So you know, and you, and you got Eli and and Peyton there, which is entertaining to begin with. That'll be entertaining. Yes. Well, yeah. Let me ask you guys this. I mean, do we get? playoff fatigue after a while we follow the regular nfl season very avidly the playoffs begin we're excited i think we start hitting a wall this weekend will be interesting but after this weekend we're out of it the following week we have no football and then we kind of get into the super bowl spirit the last few days before the game i i think we kind of hit a wall Senior Bowl next week. Get excited. You see some future Hall of Famers playing in the Senior Bowl next week. Patriots staff is out there. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, we're, we're already talking about the draft yeah. right now. And, Keith, you follow college football more than I can. Uh, Young and Strout, are they easily separated from the rest of the pack? I think I think Will Levis is actually the best quarterback in the draft from Kentucky. Wow. I think he. I think wow. there's a chance he goes before either one of those guys. Um, he could be the next Zach Wilson, though, isn't that that fear? Aren't Aren't Young and Stroud more sure things? I, I more sure thing. Yeah, I would say Will Levis is a more of a sure thing. He 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 has the makeup of an NFL quarterback, and I think probably yeah. Stroud has got a better chance than Young if we're going to rate the three of them. Well, let Let me ask you this: if if you're the Chicago Bears, you do have the number one pick. Are you sold on Justin Fields enough? Or do you actually make a bold move, take a quarterback, and then trade him to the Jets, let's say? If you're the Bears, can you do something like get the Jets' 13th pick, you know, for Justin Fields, get Zach Wilson, and get a couple of other draft picks, not another number one? I don't think Justin Fields gets two number one picks from anyone. I don't either. He might get one though. He made some, he made some strides this year, so he the did, Bears can decide to do that. But you know, I don't. Justin, Justin, Justin Fields ain't going nowhere, Jack. He's staying with Chicago. All they but, do but, but, but if the Bears could draft, they have the number one pick. They could draft. But and, but is he better? College quarterback coming up more than Fields. It would be a bold move, but they can do is it. He, are, are they, are they going to be better than Justin Fields, though? I mean, you got to. That's you gotta the question. Well, according to Keith, that yeah. I want to know what Keith thinks. I would. I would think they would not do it because you're signal you're signal, signaling to your fan base that you're starting over again. Okay. You know, which is not so a good thing me, to do. Let me get to say, Houston at number two obviously is going to take a quarterback. Obviously, I can't say Arizona at number three. I think they go number three. They're locked into Kyler Murray. It's going to be very hard for them to take a quarterback unless they. It's going to be hard. I, I think Indianapolis goes fourth, correct? They do, and I—that's where I see Will Levis going. Actually, yeah, I see Will Levis going to the Colts. That's where I like him. But but now it gets to be a little interesting. Who's going to be quarterback needy? Because Bryce Young and Stroud are going to be in demand. You know, after that, in high demand, I would you, think. You may see Texans trade that number two pick because they need a whole lot more than a quarterback, right? I, but, they, but, but they have to address the quarterback situation. Maybe they like David Smalls. I don't know. but uh, No, no, no. They benched him during the year. Well, true. But, <laughs> when, you need, when you need so much, though, do you really – is it by the time you when you draft you see it with the Bears a little bit and, and Justin Fields right you draft a quarterback but you don't have anything else to to go around with him you're it's not going to win 
And then by the time you're ready to win, he's not, he's going to be, you got to, you're, he'll be off his work, rookie contract. You got to negotiate and pay him real money. So there's a lot of things that go into laying down your future on picking a guy. And you see it with the Jets, with Zach Wilson. If you miss, you could set your franchise back a long time. Right, but is there a team that's going to be willing to give up a lot to trade down? Who's not picking high? But don't tell me the Saints, they gave up their number one draft pick to the Eagles. This yeah, I'd, I'd, have to, I'd have to see who's got draft capital to really trade and who needs a quarterback. But there are lots of teams that are quarterback needy in this league right now. The quarterback, I don't. I think the quarterback position is, has less, less depth in the NFL than I can remember in a long, long time. For quality. I'll agree with that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he stays. They build around him. Uh, listen, he's meant for Chicago. He's got that big, strong arm. He, he plays well in the in the, in the like weather it. up there. A lot of these quarterbacks coming into college are from down south, and and they're not used to playing in that strong wind and that cold. So I think Justin Fields stays there. Uh, we'll see what happens. They put some players yeah. around. He needs um, to work passing yeah. game, right? Mac, real quick. He needs to work on his passing game, and he needs some some weapons around him, but he's going to be a really I good agree. player. Right now he's a little one-dimensional, but he'll be a really good player. I, I, I agree. I think, he, I think he could be a franchise quarterback. Uh, oh, Jack, my, my, yeah, uh, yeah. And the, the, the Ravens franchise Lamar Jackson, that's going to be the big story in the offseason. Because if they're willing to trade him, um, Someone is making a major move, and I'm thinking in, along the lines of the Jets, actually, if the Ravens are willing to trade them. Well, we'll see what happens. I know the Jets need a quarterback, that's for sure. Keith, I don't know how big of a boxing fan you are, uh, yeah. but uh, I, I got I got a boxer I want Jack to talk a little bit about. Uh, we only got a few minutes left. Uh, Deontay Wilder, a uh, little mental issues, has had problems in the past. Big name in boxing still. Could still probably uh, do very well in boxing and could get some big fights. Jack, uh, what do you got? Yeah, him? Deontay Wilder was in the news. He put out some tweets that kind of seemed awkward. So you're like concerned. And listen, he's a young guy, still active, but he's taken a lot. Of, he took a lot of blows to the head in those fights with Tyson Fury, especially his third fight. It was an extraordinary effort till he was knocked out. And you're kind of a concern. Is this him just acting a little awkwardly, as we all do from time to time, perhaps? Or is it a question of head trauma? You know, I mean, the effects of blows to boxers and football players are pretty similar. They show up a lot of times years later, but occasionally they show up much sooner. And could this be a case of that? You know, hopefully not. Hopefully it's just Deontay Wilder, who's acted awkwardly at times. You know, he even said before one of his fights, and this is distasteful, he wants a body on his record, meaning he wants to, uh, to kill a guy on his record to be on there. Now, I, I attributed that to him talking extremely irres irresponsibly, okay? But it is still, you know, talk you don't want to hear. And so let's let's hope this latest stuff, this awkwardness, you know, on social media is exactly that, you know, just silly talk going. You know, who knows? Well, everything I know Jack, about I know from Glove Fist, so I will agree with everything Jack just said. Jack, yeah, real yeah. quick, 
real quick, if you were in charge of uh, Deontay Wilder right now, who would be a fighter you want to face? I tell him to retire. I tell any athlete, even though he has big money earning potential left, to retire. How many blows do you want to take? I tell him to fight Andy Ruiz. That's the fight that could be made that we're talking. They're talking about. I think he knocks out Andy Ruiz early, and then of course he could get a big fight against Anthony Joshua in the UK or wherever for millions and millions. So yeah, Andy Ruiz is the makeable fight. A very extremely winnable fight where he could look very good in good at. Okay, all right, guys, folks, thanks for tuning in, Craig, Frank, uh, the rest of you. The likes, the views, we love having you in. Love hearing your comments or reading your comments. I should say tomorrow the Mac and Jack debate show. So, folks, if you'd like to hear some good debates on uh, different old and new, different sports, uh, tomorrow the Saturday debate show from eight to ten a.m. Uh, be sure to check out TGIF Sports for Keith Angle. Great show, great host. Has uh, just just a total professional. Love having him on the show. It shook me up so, with the college draft. Now I'm going to be deferring to Keith. He knows a lot more. <laughs> and I thought it was a two pony race with you know Young and Stroud, and he doesn't feel they're going to be the first quarterback taken either, guys. So I mean. I didn't hear that one anywhere else. No, let's tell you, Keith knows his college sports better than yeah, anybody. yeah. If I want, if I want some advice, I want to get the tape of what he thought about Zach Wilson, though. If I could, lost. He burned it. It's with all those missing that like cost, tapes, actually. Yeah. Right, right, and Jack, that co- that costs more money than I think you could pay for it right now. So, yeah. anyway. so folks, again, have a great one. And we'll see you tomorrow on the Mac and Jack Sports Debate Show. Have a good one.